Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. We're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert Derek Boylan for what we are calling the Focus Sessions, aimed at helping families with relationship issues. Together with Derek, over a number of these sessions, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. We're back with Derek Borland for another focus session. Today we're looking at 12 facets of intimacy. Sounds very interesting, Derek. Tell me more. It sure is. I think we do so much uh, in marriage and family work on all the problems and the issues that come up uh, you know, in day-to-day life that need solving. And we don't put a lot of focus on the, on the intimacy and the connection and the closeness. And yet that's what makes it meaningful. That's why we started these relationships in the first place. And, uh, and so it's always good to sort of explore how do we have more connectedness, more closeness in our relationships. Yeah, no, exactly right. And inti- intimacy plays an important role in any loving relationship, obviously. Uh, but does it just get down to love and trust or is there more to it? Now, that's a really great question. Um, you know, there's actually a lot of research in this area, David. You know, we actually know a lot about intimacy and a lot about how to build trust, how to build love, how to build connection in relationships. And often... If couples are struggling, often I find that they think that if, if love fades or love starts to fade, then there's no way to get it back. Then, then that's it. There's the, you know, then you've lost something and you can't get it back. However, we actually know a lot about what generates intimacy and what creates intimacy and how to increase intimacy for couples and also in families. Um, and in fact, you know, there's actually a lot of different facets or, or areas in which people experience intimacy in couple and family life. Okay. Most people think of intimacy as emotional and physical, uh, but there are more facets, as you've sort of uh, inferred, that couples often don't explore. Could you expand upon this? Yeah. So, uh, so one area of research that uh, that has become more and more popular these days actually came out of Melbourne, and uh, and it was looking at intimacy and uh, and the researchers there identified about twelve different facets of intimacy. You know, people typically think of, when they think of intimacy, as you uh, just mentioned, they think of either emotional intimacy, you know, sharing about our deepest thoughts and feelings, or physical intimacy, um, you know, hugs, cuddles, kisses, those sorts of things. However, couples and families also experience intimacy in a whole range of other areas as well. You know, they experience um, intimacy, an intellectual kind of intimacy, where they sort of share common thinking around things or they explore ideas deeply. Um, you know, we experience uh, creative intimacy when we sort of get invested in building uh, making something new doing a renovation or building a garden there's actually lots and lots of different ways in which people experience intimacy in their relationships okay um would couples be better off if they understood these other facets better or had some idea what was going on there look i think it would definitely expand any couple's capacity for experiencing closeness and connection you know, across a whole wide range of areas in their marriage. You know, there are lots and lots of changes that occur to us over the course of the lifespan. You know, the things that were interesting to us when we were 12 years old uh, were no longer interesting to us when we were 25. And and by the time we reach 45, they've changed again. And at 70, we'll have new interests and uh, new things that bring us joy and meaning in life. And so it's actually really healthy for families to be constantly discovering new ways of connecting, new ways of experiencing intimacy. But that's actually a really important thing to do. And, uh, and certainly, I think if couples had a, a greater sense of these different facets of intimacy, 
it would give them more options for expanding the, the capacity for them as a couple to be able to experience closeness and connection. Right. As you said, I mean, we all change, don't we? You're not the same at 50 as you were at 21. Absolutely not. Yeah, that's right. And I think even some of the things that I find myself really interested in now, you know, I think when I was 20, the things that I was most interested in, I thought, oh, I'll never get bored of these things. Well, you know, the brain likes novelty. It likes to have new experiences and discover new opportunities. And, uh, you know, nowadays I really enjoy cooking and getting in the kitchen and trying out new recipes. But I can absolutely guarantee you that was not a high priority (laughs) Back when I was in my mid-twenties. No. So uh, these things do change for us over the, over time. Yes. I don't think you'll find me in the kitchen. That's one thing that hasn't changed. I love food and I love experiencing other people's dishes, but uh, I don't like cooking myself, funnily enough. Yes, that's what's typically my experience as well. I think it's only just in, and probably even in the last year or two, that I've found more and more joy from actually exploring in the kitchen and trying out new things. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Would a greater understanding of these facets also help individuals, couples, to appreciate their strengths and weaknesses, uh, which then in turn would lead to a stronger family connection? Yeah, it can absolutely be helpful to bring more of these facets, um, ways of experiencing closeness into the family experience. And uh, and overall, that that increases, you know, the the family experience of connection and closeness and intimacy. Um, You know, two things that I guess stand out for me, One one of the facets of intimacy that was identified in this research was around conflict, that conflict can actually be a source of intimacy. Like we tend to think of it as, uh, as sort of toxic and hurtful and harmful to relationships, but, uh, but also in the way that we struggle through differences and resolve problems, there can be a closeness and a connection as well. And an example of that that really stands out for me is, you know, I mean, as a parent, and I'm sure any parent who's listening to this would have had this experience from time to time, Sometimes, you know, you need to tell your child off for, for something that they've done wrong, but, but you're too harsh. You know, you, you were, um, you know, you were just tired, you had a long day, or you're feeling overwhelmed by the circumstances, or, or maybe you just didn't fully understand exactly what had happened and you sort of went off sort of, you know, um, half informed. And you realize afterwards, you know, like, uh, I was too harsh in this moment. Yes. And, uh, you know, and our child often they go off to their room and they feel hurt and chastised and, and unfairly so and, and those sorts of things. And, uh, and yet, you know, some of the greatest moments of intimacy have actually been, um, you know, sometimes going into my kid's room, lying down on the bed next to them and, uh, and just taking responsibility for my harshness, you know, and actually sort of saying, listen, Zach, um, you know, what you did wasn't, wasn't right. <laughs> there has to be a consequence yeah. there. But, you sure. know... Um, but you know, I was too harsh, you know, and, uh, and I should have maybe put more effort into working out what really sort of took place and what happened. And, uh, and I want to apologize for that. You know, often our kids, um, you know, really relay that, that, you know, that, that was actually an important moment for them in their relationship with me, you know, knowing that dad's not perfect and he makes, he makes mistakes, but he, but he takes responsibility and he's not above giving me a sincere apology you know when he realizes he's done something wrong or has been too harsh sure um, you know another another moment i guess where i recall experiencing intimacy as a kid growing up was my auntie margaret she uh she passed away last year and i was just thinking about this recently she um she was a, a single woman she never married or had any, had any children of her own and she loved to to spoil us as her nieces and, and nephews and uh and she was um she loved theatre. You know, she just, she loved literature and she loved theatre. 
and uh, and she would often take us uh, as kids in the school holidays to go and you know to see a play or to, to see something, and that was really the only experience that we we had of that you know growing up, and so it was always this sort of new experience for us, and we did it with our auntie Margaret, and uh, and it was a special moment, and and just that experience of um, of having a I guess a, an experience of of the arts of culture. Um, and doing it with someone who cared about us and it was something outside of our normal life experience it was a real connection, you know, for us. And I think, you know, whenever we talk to any of the cousins, you know, for all of us, that was our experience with Auntie Margaret of feeling really quite close to her and connected and knowing that, knowing that she cared about us. You know, it was a source of intimacy. Yeah, that's great too. And you spoke in a previous uh, focus session about Parents can only do so much, and you, you you do as children get things from other people around you, um, other relatives. So that that's a classic example, really. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It is. It's a great example, and uh, and I think you know it's uh, and it was a it was an area of life, um, you know, the arts and culture, which was completely outside of our realm of experience, where we encountered intimacy. And I think about how that's affected our family, you know, in terms of because I appreciated that so much. It's something that I really want my kids to uh, to explore and to experience. Um, you know, with uh, um, at the moment we can't get out quite so often, and uh, and Alexander Hamilton, the the musical has just come on to Disney Plus, and uh, and we sat down with our kids and watched it the other night, our, our older ones, and it was great. You know, it was a fantastic experience. It wasn't the kind of normal thing that we typically do in our family. You know, we might watch a movie sometimes on a Saturday evening or those sorts of things, but it was just great to experience. I mean, it was on a screen, but it was theatre and it was beautifully put together and uh, and very professional. And and we've spent most of the morning talking about it um, over the last couple of days. So uh, I think there's all sorts of different ways that we can experience connection and intimacy. Yeah, I mean, you've partly answered this already, I think. But if couples understand understand their own intimacy better, it can obviously lead to stronger connections with their children. Absolutely, I think this is actually really important. That uh, you know, that I guess in a way the best predictor of the success of any family is going to be the couple relationship upon which it's based. And anything that couples do to strengthen their connection with one another is absolutely going to improve their relationship with their children. Um, you know, I always sort of think it's funny when our children see Karen or I in the kitchen having a bit of a cuddle and a bit of a kiss. And if you ask them what they think, they go, gross, <laughs> mum and dad are kissing one another. You yeah. Know? But, um, <laughs> But, uh, but kids are pretty simple, you know. They know if mum and dad love one another because mum and dad hug one another, hold hands, kiss, say nice things to each other. And when mum and dad build intimacy and work on intimacy in their relationship, what it communicates to children is that however tough life is, you know, peers, friend relationships, working out their future careers, their studies, however tough those things are, they know that they come home to a place that is very safe, where there are people who've got their back, because yes. those people have each other's back. And so whenever we work on intimacy in our own couple relationships, it absolutely has a very powerful flow-on effect uh, to children. And it teaches them one day the thing that's going to bring them the most happiness or misery in their life is their future relationships. And so they're learning those early foundational skills just by watching us and the way that we work on intimacy. So anytime we focus on the areas of intimacy in our relationship, that's a really important benefit flow-on um, for children. Yeah, that, that's a very, very good point. And uh, your children want to know that they're in a safe, loving environment. And uh, I mean, I, my, my parents were great too. They weren't overly huggy and kissy in front of us, but we knew the love was there and we always felt terribly safe 
Yeah, absolutely. Home feels safe when the adults in that home love one another. You know, I think kids actually understand that as kids, they're not always going to get along and they're always going to have the skills to be able to to get along and solve problems. But if they see that mum and dad care for one another and support one another, then they know that, um, that the adults are in charge here and, and our home is safe. Yeah, exactly right, Derek. Time for a short ad break. Back soon. If you believe family matters most, you'll want your family to thrive. The Magellan is the magazine I go to for advice on marriage, parenting and keeping my family close. I trust Magellan because it's been devoted to families for 72 years and is Australia's longest running Christian family magazine. And an annual subscription is only $18. Magellan Magazine, because family matters most. For your digital or print subscription and much more, go to Magellan.media. That's Magellan with a J. Welcome back. Now, I believe there's research that shows there are as many as 12 different areas of life in which couples can experience intimacy. Now, that in itself sounds exciting. What are they? Yeah. So let me take you through the the 12 facets of intimacy that the research in Melbourne identified. So the first two are pretty obvious. I think most people would have come across them. And I guess the first is uh, physical intimacy. So And that comes from, I guess, physical closeness uh, to one another, being able to hold one another and um, but, you know, even within parent-child relationships, it's a pat on the back or it's a, it's a bit of a hug, you know. Um, I think maybe I've shared with you before that uh, I grew up in a family that wasn't particularly affectionate um, when it came to hugs or cuddles and kisses. And, uh, and, uh, and I realised that, you know, sometimes I don't always know when is the right time um, for someone to need a hug. You know, sometimes a family member needs a bit of a hug and I just, that doesn't occur to me that that's, uh, that that's what they're needing. And I did say to my teenage boys, you know, when they sort of reach about 12, 13, 14 and suddenly parents aren't that cool anymore, I just sort of said to them one day, I said, you know, listen, you know, dad's not very good with affection, doesn't always know when to when to give you a hug, but if you ever want a hug, come and get one, you know, and yeah. uh, and you're always welcome. And and I'm so glad I had that conversation with them because they do. Um, they often come up and they, you know, give me a, a fist bump or a, you know, give me a bit of a, a hug in the kitchen as they go on past, hey, dad, you know, and, uh, and I really appreciate High that. five. Mm, yeah, high five, those sorts of things, yeah. Then, of course, the second one is emotional intimacy, which I think most people would be familiar with as well. And so emotional intimacy is about um, is about tuning into one another's emotional needs and feelings and realising that um, they don't need fixing, but, you know, that we, as we understand them and we get better at relating to one another around feelings and emotions, things that are coming up, that we can experience closeness as well. But there are other forms of intimacy as well. So there's intellectual intimacy. So this comes from, I guess, sharing ideas and ways of thinking and those sorts of things. Karen always says to me, she loves it when I'm studying, when I'm doing study, because because she says that she feels that we study. You know, I'll read interesting articles yeah. or I'll have different interesting lectures and I'll come home and I'll be, have a look at this, you know, let's talk about such and such. And, uh, and then we get into a conversation, pulling that apart. And there's a closeness for us that comes from that, from exploring those ideas and, and taking yeah. them further. There's aesthetic intimacy, like I experienced with my... Uh, Arnie Margaret, you know, culture, the arts, theatre, dance, music, um, you know, and we have shared experiences with people that we care about that draws us closer. Um, you know, it's something that we connect over, that we talk about, that brings us joy. There's creative uh, intimacy. So I guess mm-hmm. creative intimacy comes from uh, sharing creative acts, you know, the idea of building something together, um, renovating furniture or our home or building a new garden or painting a room. You know, often I think for Karen and I, some of the greatest moments of intimacy have been embarking on a new project that we're excited about and sort of bringing something new into the world. You sure. Know? 
you know, I think particularly when we very first had Elijah, our first son, and and preparing his nursery and just thinking about, oh, what colour are we going to paint it and what cot are we going to put in here and how's it going to look? And, you know, there was a, a real intimacy that came from sharing that experience. There's recreational intimacy. So intimacy that comes from just the experience of fun and play together, holidays, sports, hobbies, playing a board game, um, you know, just doing things that just bring us, serve no other purpose than to bring us joy because we enjoy them on a recreational leather, uh, leisure um, time sort of a way. Yeah. Um, there's also work intimacy. So these next few are, are sort of interesting. People often associate these necessarily with intimacy, but there is intimacy that sometimes comes from working together. So sharing a common task. Um, that might be a, a household chore or maintenance. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I saw they were a beautiful French couple, and uh, and I said to them, I said, you know, how do you how do you connect as a couple? What do you do to connect as a couple? And she says to me, Ah, oh, Derek, we cook. And I'm like, Oh, you like yeah. cooking together? She's like, No, 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 no. You Australians don't understand. We cook. And you know, and I really realised that for them, you know, the act of preparing their meal was just as important yeah. as actually eating it. You know, being in the kitchen together and, uh, and being excited about what they were, were making was a, a moment of connection and, uh, and joy and intimacy for them. Uh, many right. years ago, Karen and I ran a business together and, and just running the business together, that was uh, um, you know, a real source of intimacy for us, connection, working out how we're going to promote it, how we'd like to run it and those sorts of things. Okay. There's, there's intimacy that comes out of crisis sometimes. You know, sometimes when we... Um, uh, you know, face adversity or challenges, um, you know, if instead of sort of pulling apart, we can actually lean into supporting one another. There's often a deep intimacy that comes from weathering those challenges together uh, as a family. Uh, conflict, of course, can bring out about intimacy, as I mentioned with, uh, with my children uh, and Karen, sure. you know, the way that we resolve those issues and we come back and we try to repair the disagreement can sometimes actually bring about an intimacy that come about no other way than through a difficult, conversation type situations yeah. <clears throat> there's uh spiritual intimacy so intimacy that comes from i guess sharing life values religion values faith experiences shared vision hopes and dreams um that can create intimacy in couple relationships engaging in those things uh intimacy that comes from commitment and a renewed commitment so investing ourselves in the relationship so doing things that actually uh, support our relationship, going on dates, you know, getting counselling if we need it, um, doing the things that help to build trust uh, that show, you know what, I'm invested in this relationship and creating quality time for us as a couple to grow in our relationship. And then, of course, we've talked a lot in previous sessions, but just intimacy uh, comes out of just good communication and working on good communication yes. and developing those communication skills, sharing on all kinds of levels about our life and our life journey and what's happening to us. Uh, that in itself builds intimacy as well, and those, those are the twelve facets. Well, I'm I'm glad you can count because I like <laughs> I got to about eight, then I, I lost count. Uh, but if it had been something like Fifty Shades of Grey, we could have had a three-hour podcast. So I'm grateful it's twelve <laughs> facets of intimacy. <laughs> it's a bit like that, yeah. And I think yeah. you know, for many couples, because of that, they don't really appreciate like how much there is to explore in their relationship that maybe they haven't really touched on yet. Um, you know, often yep. when they first come into a relationship, you know, they what drew them to the relationship was one or two areas of intimacy. Maybe they worked together as a couple and that was great. Or maybe they yep. met through sport and uh, doing recreational activity. And this has served them for a long time in their relationship. 
uh, and yet there's a whole world of other ways of connecting and relating and growing closer that you know, that can also be explored. Okay, yeah. Now, Derek, these areas can be explored with the children as well for building closer relationships. That's that's right. Absolutely, yeah. And so, uh, just like with my my auntie Margaret all those years ago, and yeah. taking us to theatre, they can absolutely be explored with kids too. And certainly, what you'll find if you start to explore them with your children is that you know certain children resonate with certain areas, just like we as adults do. You know, those kids. I have some. You know, Zeki, our, one of our sons, you know, he really connects over sport. Anytime you get out there with a basketball or a soccer ball or anything like that, he, he is feeling loved and connected and close and you're seeing him. But as I, or our second, he's an incredibly creative kid. He loves to get out there on the wood lathe and to, to build and invent and create things. And if you come out and just show a bit of interest in creating something um, with him, ah, he shines. You know, he feels connected and seen and loved. So definitely exploring these areas with kids is really important as well. Yes, no, it sounds like it. Now, Derek, you believe families should set themselves uh, very small goals to explore these areas and discover new dimensions of connection. Uh, how so? Yeah, so I think whenever we make a, a a start of anything new in our relationships, we should just always start small. Start with that and treat it as an experiment and start small. Not everything that you try will work. And, uh, and sometimes some things are maybe just better suited to other times in our life. Um, certainly I love gardening. You know, I love getting out in the garden. I love it when Karen comes out, you know, and helps me out in the garden and planting. But I know at this particular time in my life, there's just no time for the garden. Anything I plant, I know will die. So um, so I haven't given up on that vision and that time. And Karen often sort of says, oh, we need to spend more time in the garden. I'm like, yeah, we do. And uh, and the time for that will will come, you know, so it's not always at every time in life. But, but I encourage families yeah. to just start small and experiment. And uh, you know, you might be surprised by what you discover brings about incredible connection. And, you know, two things that really stand out for me where, where people have experienced, uh, you know, a new level of intimacy, a new facet of intimacy. One is a, a marriage educator who used to work for me many, many years ago. Her name was Nancy and uh, she's a beautiful Italian woman, very short. Uh, and just, uh, she just was just an incredible communicator. And, um, and when she retired, her husband retired as well, and they moved uh, slightly south of Perth. And there's a uh, there's a beautiful sort of uh, open area of, of water down there. And uh, and one of the things that she sort of noticed, and you know, this is way late in their life journey as a couple, as they went past this body of water, she would often notice the people out there kayaking. So you get a lot of people who will kayak out on the Dawesville Cut. And um, and uh, she just said to her husband one day, she said, you know, I've always wondered what it would be like to go kayaking. And so uh, about a month later, they went down there, they hired a couple of kayaks and off they went kayaking out on the, on the water. And, um, and then Wonderful. about a month after that, the two of them bought their own kayaks and, uh, and they regularly go kayaking. And I think, you know, if anyone had said to Nancy and Rod right back at the beginning of their relationship, oh, you two are going to love kayaking later in life, I don't think it would have been even close to being on their radar. <laughs> and yet now it's uh, a real place of connection and intimacy for them you know they go out and it's cool and it's it's quiet and they they you know they often see dolphins and things like that and it's just a, a real moment of connection for them as a couple and, and doing something that's good for them yeah, uh, another example fabulous. sorry that's fabulous love yeah. it i you know and i think you know often we sort of if we don't explore these uh these different areas sometimes maybe we rob ourselves for more uh, more connection and more intimacy when i um when i first started my job 
uh, David, the the women in the office would do the cryptic crossword at lunchtime, and uh, and I just remember so clearly they uh, they'd all sit down at lunch and they would get the cryptic crossword out of the paper, and uh, and they would sort of stay they read the first question. They go, all right, this is the first question, and they'd read it, and then you know within a minute, you know, uh, one of them would be like, oh, I've got it, you know, and the next one would be, like, oh yeah, I've worked it out, you know, and five minutes later, they Derek, Derek. <laughs> Derek, I'm gonna say I felt like I was the the dumbest person in the office. I I just could not work out how these things were done. They were confusing. How did you get these answers? It was just it was so hard. And I said to Karen one night, we got, I got home one evening, and I said to Karen, you know, I'm the boss here. I just, I feel like the dumbest person in the office because I I just have no idea how these cryptic crosswords are done. And uh, okay. and so what Karen and I started doing was sitting down in the evening and doing the cryptic crossword together. I said, I've got to learn how to do these crosswords because <laughs> like, I'm just not connecting with everyone. And, and so we started to sit down and do the, the crossword together. And you know what? Karen and I discovered that we love doing the crossword together. I think at the beginning of our marriage, wow. if you'd said, oh, you and Karen are going to love doing the cryptic crossword, I don't think it would have been even close to being anywhere on our mm-hmm. radar. And yet now... Yeah. Um, you know, on a Sunday morning, our typical routine is we uh, we go to mass in the morning, we get home, and we kick the kids out of the house with a donut, and Karen and I sit in the sun with a coffee and the cryptic crossword from the Saturday paper, and we uh, and we just spend an hour or two just connecting and talking and doing the crossword, and it's a, and it's a real source of just connection for us and just time for leisure and relaxation and being close to one another. So uh, yeah, that's a one, one, wonderful ritual. Yeah, it is, and uh, and I, and I really and it, and it is. It does relate to the loving rituals that we talked about uh, a few sessions ago. Um, I really encourage couples, you know, to explore these different areas. Start small, uh, but you might be surprised what you discover that you uh, that's new for your relationship that brings you closer. Yeah, well, better better you than me. Cryptic crosswords were never my forte. They were far too cryptic. I, do, I didn't understand them myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there are a few tricks that took us a while to learn. Yeah. <laughs> but it gets back to having an interest in something and we don't, we don't all have the same interests, uh, which is good. So uh, mm. there you go. Mm. And our interests now, are now constantly, Derek, constantly changing. What, what interests us today might be something different tomorrow. Mm. Sure, sure. No, that's exactly right. Uh, now, Derek, the intimacy word can scare some people. It's about being vulnerable, honest, and basically being open. Any tips for individuals and couples who struggle in this area? Look, I think everyone struggles in this area, and it's a, it's a really important question. You know, what makes intimacy? I guess intimacy is our level of exposure. You know, we uh, with emotional intimacy, we risk uh, sharing our, our emotions and our feelings. With the physical intimacy, we're exposed physically, and and in any of those times, we risk ridicule we risk rejection or judgment uh, and so people can feel uh, very vulnerable when it comes to to intimacy um, but you know I guess intimacy is really and vulnerability is actually the source of connection you know it's in our vulnerability where we take the risk of allowing somebody to to see me uh, you know what's and all mistakes and all um, and to encounter being loved by that person I think intimacy always comes with a risk. There's no doubt about that. Um, but that vulnerability is actually what, uh, if we're willing to engage in it, take the risk of being vulnerable, that's actually what builds connection for people, builds intimacy in relationships. And I really encourage people to do that. And, uh, and one of the things I actually ask my couples when I work with pre-marriage and counselling couples sometimes is, what are the times when they are vulnerable with one another? Knowing that, that vulnerability is the fuel of, of love and connection and trust when are the times that they are vulnerable? 
And there's actually lots and lots of times when we're vulnerable in a relationship. We're vulnerable when we give a sincere apology to someone. We're vulnerable when we share something that really makes us joy-filled, you know, that they, they might reject that. They might not share the same happiness that we encounter. We're vulnerable when we feel unwell. We're vulnerable when we've made a mistake, um, you know, and if we can just allow ourselves to uh, connect with our vulnerability, uh, reach out and be willing to gently share that with someone that we care about and love, uh, instead of turning that into defensiveness, uh, you know, it can be a real source of deep connection and deep love. And so I, I agree. I think intimacy can be a bit scary for people, um, but it's also the source of real connection in life with others. And so uh, taking the risk of doing that is really healthy. And if we can do that as adults, it really models to our children how to ask for help, that they don't have to have all the answers all the time, all of their lives, that actually it's a strength to know when to ask for help. It's a strength to know when to say, I'm not sure I'm coping here and could I get some support? Uh, and that actually most of the time in life, people are more than happy to provide support and care and, and to connect with us around those different areas. So it is definitely um, a challenging area sometimes, intimacy and vulnerability. And, uh, but certainly when we can do it and we can take the risk, be brave and have a go at it, it's also the place of real connection and, uh, and, and love. Yep, so true, so true. So Derek, would couples be better off if they understood these other facets? Look, I think it would definitely expand a couple's capacity for experiencing closeness and connection across a broad range of areas in their marriage. I mean, there are lots and lots of changes that occur over the lifespan. You know, things that interested us when we're 12 no longer interest us at 25 and 45 and 70. Um, you know, we come across new things that are meaningful to us, new hobbies, new areas of exploration. And so I guess because we're constantly changing and what brings us meaning is constantly changing over the lifespan, it's actually really important for couples to be constantly exploring how they being called in new ways to discover connection and intimacy in their relationship. And certainly uh, the 12 facets of intimacy provide a really great framework for, capis, for couples to be able to sort of broaden and expand their capacity for experiencing closeness, for experiencing connection across a whole range of different areas. Um, 12 facets of intimacy. It's been fascinating. Uh, just to recap some of the main points, Derek. Yeah, sure. So I guess the, the first thing is that, you know, there is lots and lots of research on intimacy and couples often feel that, you know, if they've sort of fallen out of love that they can't regain it. You know what? We can always grow and develop and experience new levels of intimacy and connection. And there are many, many different ways in which couples can do that, not just physical intimacy and emotional intimacy, but through um, you know, creative acts through working together, through recreational experiences, sharing ideas. These are all ways as well that couples can experience more intimacy. And often if they work on some of those other areas, it starts to improve emotional and physical intimacy as well as they start to rekindle that connection. Uh, so couples should sort of treat it as an experiment, but not be um, afraid to try new things and discover new aspects of who they are and who they are for one another, what brings them joy in their relationship. Okay, that sounds great. Derek, it's been great talking to you. We'll catch up again soon. Thanks, David. Thanks, David.